Hi everybody, welcome back. This episode of Greater Manchester Stories is Paul Lofthouse and he's got a story that when I first heard about it, again, Greater Manchester Police, it was like, what are you doing? Everybody wants to support the police and we need to reduce crime. But the way they go about it sometimes is absolutely ridiculous and looks a bit corrupt sometimes. Or is it just pure incompetence? That's the bit we need answering sometimes. So first of all, welcome Paul to the show. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming on. So briefly, give us a bit of an overview of your story and why you're sat here today. Um, it's in 2021, I was, I was subjected to false allegations by my ex-partner. Um, she's given a completely false name to the police, uh, a false version of events. Um, once I was notified that she had contacted the police, I, I immediately called the police myself. Um, I gave them all my contact details, my name, my address, my working hours. Um, I gave them a brief description of my relationship with my ex-partner. I asked them if I was if I was wanted by the police. They, they PNC'd me. They told me that I was not wanted. And I, I said to them, if you ever want to question me or to discuss anything, to get in contact with me. And then it was around about three weeks later, uh, the way that they decided to deal with that was to come through my door with, with a battering ram, essentially, um, over the, the, what I was accused of was Let me just violent. stop you there. So, so you've spoken to the police, they have all your details, they've got your phone number, they know everything about you. You've told them you will come in if they ever want to speak to you. And they then come through your door with a battering ram. Yeah, after it was only around about three hours after I called them on the telephone and I asked them to PNC me as well, and they said no, you're not wanted. Um, and yeah, it came came through. It's, I, I told them what time I was going to bed. I said I'll, I'll be in bed for for nine p.m. because I had to get up for work. Um, and they decided to choose half past eleven as the time to knock on my door and go and come from my door with a battering ram. Um, they surrounded. There was two riot vans, two police cars. I think all in all, there's around about 10 officers that come to arrest me over what is an alleged non-malicious non -malicious harassment, essentially. Wow. Wow. If they'd have thought, well, obviously, you would have went to the police station because you contacted them in the first place. Yeah, I've said to them, if you want to talk to me, if you if you want to question me, please let me know. I'll attend any police station. I've, I've got the call recording for that. I gained that by subject access request. So I do have I do have all of these calls, so I, I categorically prove I was compliant and willing willing to help in any way I could. Right, you mentioned there that you've got these call that that calls recorded. You you've got that a copy of that. So let's talk about the evidence they've got against you. So first of all, anything to do with relationships, partners, he said, she said, that's extremely complicated because you always get two versions of the same story neither of them are usually 100% correct. So so I can appreciate how difficult it is the police sometimes to understand who's telling the truth, who's telling a lie, who's making it up, who's mental, who's not. It's a really, really difficult judgment call to make. So let's put that to one side. But then after this has happened, you then should have the right to be able to prove your innocence because that's what we do in this country. If, you, if you're accused of something, we then are given the right to seek evidence to prove what was said about us is incorrect, to clear our name. That's the most important thing for a man, to clear his name. 
So wh where are you with that? And what are the barriers that are stopping you now claiming your name? Um, so alongside the arrest, I was unaware that my ex-partner had made an application for a non-molestation order, which is basically a civil court version of a restraining order. Um, she did this on, on an ex parte basis, which basically means that I'm not allowed to attend. I'm not allowed to even know about the hearing. I was completely unaware of the, the allegations that she's made in this. And when upon being arrested over her false allegations, it, it had a significant mental impact on me. Like it's, it, it just really hurt the fact that somebody could make up those false allegations about me. And I did. I breached. I breached the, the no contact order by asking her, like, "Are you aware of the the impact that this can have on my mental health?" And and also, yeah, I asked her to contact me. Um, but ultimately, and you did that via what? Uh, just via messaging. I've never. I didn't go to see her. Or... Oh so, yeah. So you basically you basically sent a WhatsApp message to her asking her why have you done this. It was uh, it was on a social media platform. It wasn't WhatsApp, but yeah, it's it, again non 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 malicious. Basically, asking what's going on? Why are you making all these false allegations against me? Um, but yeah, again, as another another arrest that they've come. It's, my ex partner made made a welfare call for me. I've, I've got the, the subject access request, the details, the nature of this call. She's asked for for an ambulance to come see me. Um, instead, they, again, they send a, a police car, uh, two police cars, and a riot van. They broke into the property through through the window. Asked me if I was okay, and then uh, arrested me for for breaching the order. And at, at this stage, like I, I've never, I, first of all, I wasn't even aware that she's gone for the order. I wasn't aware of what she's accused me of. I, I didn't even know the process that's involved to, to have it all all dealt with. And now I'm being arrested for for breach it as well and I, I ended up going to court and being found guilty of everything that she's she'd accused me of without ever being given a fair chance to, to challenge any of it and and bearing in mind I haven't been arrested I've, I've given the, I've been completely compliant I've told the police exactly the, the true version of events I've told them where they need to look for the evidence to acquire the evidence I've given them uh, my phone my unlock code for my phone I told them that it's it's pretty important that they seize her phone as well because it, it gives evidence that I need for different elements. So that, like an alleged harassment, if she's calling me John the period saying that I'm harassing her, it's not harassing. And, but none of none of this is is being taken into account of. But where I currently stand now is that like I'm 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 up in in trial for this and I'm heavily dependent on on our communications uh, via social media which it was our main form of communication so that will give everybody and the courts and everybody a very clear understanding of what's occurred between between us in our relationship and I've also requested the call logs uh, to, to prove when I've been accused of, of making unwanted contact that went unresponded to what not only was was it responded to but she she's instigated it by by getting in contact with me and where i'm at currently now i've, I've been fighting for two years for uh, for for all of the evidence literally the, the two major components that i need that clear my name I've, I've been fighting for them for two years and my solicitors being all of my solicitors requests for it have been ignored 
all my requests have been ignored. My subject access uh, requests of, of the evidence that, that I've needed for, for court appearances has just been deleted in a manner that, that there could only be, it, it can't be a clerical mistake, it can't be anything else. It, it could only be as a means of protecting Greater Manchester Police's what I allege is their misconduct. Like it's coming from a door of a battering ram and then uh, refusing to, to give me the the body-worn vest footage of it, but to give me the body-worn vest. Let, 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 let's clear one of one or two things up. So what are the pieces of evidence you need of Greater Manchester Police and they're not giving you? Literally, there's only two two pieces that I need. I need her call logs and I, I need our WhatsApp communications. And, th and that's it. With the WhatsApp communications, that'll give a detailed description of our relationship. It'll explain exactly what occurred, who did what and when. And and what are you saying when, what are they saying when you're requesting this information, this evidence? Being ignored. It's, uh, initially, in, initially he told me, the detective told me that he could not find uh, the, the WhatsApp communications on it. Now I needed this for for my for, for, for my court appearance. Well, not just back then, but also like in in what's coming up as well. And he told me that he couldn't find any trace of it. Um, I went to it's I went to court and uh, explained this in a mention to fix hearing. And even the judge made made well, pointed out categorically that there was quite a number of issues with the evidence. And they, they've requested of the CPS and Greater Manchester Police to allow me access to the WhatsApp communications. And uh, I got a letter via recorded delivery two weeks after the expiry date of the of the um, the court order, uh, stating that the phone's broken. Uh, they can't find uh, any evidence on it. But the phone was absolutely fine when I gave it to them. I can't understand how it can be broken now. So I've 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 got in contact with the the officer in charge and I said, can I come and have a look at it? I've gone and he's he's just not letting me have access to it. I've tried to arrange on a number of occasions to to go back and, and review it, and it's all all being ignored. And then, yeah, like it's this this is the, the same brick wall that I've been hitting over and over. Initially, I felt that there's a possibility that maybe due to COVID and the fact that everybody's understaffed because of COVID, that that, that may be playing a part in it. And it was only when it got to last year when COVID's finished and like everybody's had over a year to, to provide this evidence and to see that it's not even in, in it, it's not even been passed over to the Crown Prosecution Services is what alarmed me the most because they're not even allowing the Crown Prosecution Service access to it. And given some of the other issues that I've noticed with Greater Manchester Police refusing like, just completely stonewalling evidence that's needed for prosecutions, like that, it's I find it extremely alarming. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for people watching who are saying to themselves, "Here's a man who's been accused of domestic violence. The police have got his phone. It's." He should have been a better husband. He should have been a better partner. That's not the, that isn't what we're discussing here. We're discussing a miscarriage of justice that can be proven to be a miscarriage of justice if he can gain the evidence the police are holding. This could be you, this could be me. How have we got to a state where the police can hold evidence that's crucial in our case and they go, no one's seeing this. 
it's like a third third world country, banana republic. We're supposed to have justice in this country. It's supposed to be blind. It's supposed to be here's all the evidence, and we let a court decide the outcome of this case, not the police. And that this is the scary bit about this is they're holding evidence that can prove your innocence or prove you guilty either way. But let's get that evidence into a court of law just so other people then can make the judgment. That's why we have a separation between the police and the courts. That's why police officers are not judging Jura because we, we need that to be impartial. It's very, very important to appreciate that. I, I've been begging for this evidence for two years and they've been ignoring it for two years and that, that in and of itself paints the picture. You know, I, was, I wouldn't be requesting all. If this evidence would sink you, you, you'd already have it. Yeah, it's, and it's, I'd have already been scoring it, or already would have been done. It's like the initially the court date was, was set for a year after, or six months after the the investigation took six months, and then it was set six months after the investigation, and then for it to be delayed for a further year, I can only, I have no idea what's going on. Like, I, I can only imagine that it's to do with my solicitor explaining. There's a lot of evidence that we need that is not turning up, you know, and dragging it on for two years is, is quite, it's psychological torture for me, purely because it, it, I've been falsely accused and I'm quite desperate to clear my name, you know. It, it's hanging around your neck. And I'm sure, the, and the police are just kicking it down the road because they, they know that this looks like they're good, this looks like it's not going to court, or if it gets to court, it's getting thrown out. So rather than that individual officer make that decision, they're, they're just kicking it down the road, kick it down the road, kick it down the road, kick it down the road, because it's going to be bad news. So let, let someone else deal with it. And maybe something will happen in between. It's very dangerous for me as well, because as I've mentioned to Greater Manchester Police, when I was making complaints about not acquiring the evidence, I'm not sure if they, they took it the wrong way and thought maybe I'm just trying to get it thrown out based on, on legal technicalities when the whole reason why I'm, I'm desperate for this evidence is that I've been found guilty of this on, on two separate occasions, one in, in a court a court trial behind my back, which I'm not even allowed to attend to, and then secondly in a court of law for, for breaching the order that's completely, which I state is categorically based on falsehoods. And if I was ever given a fair chance to, to attend any of those hearings with the evidence that has been denied to me, it, it would have been a much different outcome, you know. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's a complicated case. So for people watching, we know it's a complicated case, but think about how you would feel if the police held the evidence that could clear your name and you could not get hold of that evidence. That's why I wanted to speak to Paul today, because how would you feel? They can clear your name, but you cannot get your hands on the evidence. Your solicitors cannot get their hands on the evidence to clear your name. What sort of justice system is this? Absolutely appalling. Paul, thank you for coming on. Likewise, thanks for having me, Nick. Once you get to court and you get a resolution, get back in contact. Let's, let's get back on and let's get into the nitty gritty then. Good day. Excellent. Cheers, Paul. Bye-bye. Thanks, Nick. Bye-bye.